My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Go ahead and clap your hands to Jesus and lift up your voice. Give him praise and glory and honor. Isn't it wonderful to see Brother Ralph Mears, Ginger, and Candace with us in service? God bless you. Love you. Isn't it great to see Brother Mike Carter standing over there out of the hospital? Wow. We got a lot to be thankful for, church. I think we ought to lift up our voice and let God know how much we value and appreciate what he's done in our lives. So thankful. Bless all of you in the wonderful name of Jesus. I'm certainly looking forward to church tonight. We're gonna have a great time. 5.30 prayer and 6 p.m. service. It's gonna be a wonderful time. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1. Hezekiah, the king of Judah, was sick unto death in this story. Now notice, watch this carefully. Isaiah the prophet walks in and tells him, set your house in order, you're gonna die and not live. He didn't question it. He, he didn't even say, you don't mean it. He didn't even say, you don't mean that. He didn't, Ask for proof. Why is it that we can accept the bad news without proof? Well, is, if that is not human nature just on display right there. I mean, he, he accepted it as the word of the Lord without further explanation and turned his face to the wall and started crying like a baby, weeping, carrying on. God saw his tears, God heard his prayer. But now watch this, while he was praying and he was crying out to God and Hezekiah wept sore and it came to pass, verse four, and it came to pass, Isaiah didn't even get out of the middle court at the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of thy, David, thy father, I've heard your prayer, I've seen your tears. Now, notice this. God did not just speak to him, I'm going to heal you. He said, I'm not only gonna heal you, I'm gonna restore you so you can go to church on the third day. 
And then I'm going to add 15 years to your life. And then I'm going to give you the power to whoop up on the king of Assyria. Said, I'm going to do all of it right now. And so they, they took a lump of figs and they laid it on the boil and he recovered. But Hezekiah said, no, wait just a minute. I'm going to need proof that this is going to happen because I, there's just no way I can accept this. You, you told me I'm going to die and now you're telling me I'm going to live. I'm going to need some proof to back that up. And he said, whereby, what, what is God going to do for me? What, what kind of sign is he going to show me that he's going to do this and I'm going to be able to get to go back to church? What's he going to do? So now here's my point. I believe that you can't wait till you get into the crisis to craft your report of what you're going to believe. Because if you get in the crisis, it's going to be very difficult for you to believe the right report and choose the right report. You got to know what you believe before you get into the crisis. Now, my point is not to rebuke you because you don't have the right report. My, my point is today, scripture by scripture today, I'm going to help you craft the right report. When Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land to spy out the land, I don't believe they had to spy out the land to create their report. I believe they already knew God was going to give it to him before they ever stepped in there because the Bible said they had another spirit. Meaning they didn't get the right spirit while they were walking through the land. They had the right spirit when they stepped into all oh. Because if you're going to wait till you're in the crisis to get the right spirit, you're never going to get it. So if you're not in a crisis, this would be a good time for you to get the right spirit right now. So when you are in the crisis, it won't change your spirit. It'll empower your spirit. So I want to help you craft your report. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah 53 and 1. Why is the report so important? Because mm, your report and what it is is going to determine how much of the arm God's going to reveal to you. If I can get you to get the right report, then the arm is going to be revealed. And the power of God is going to be revealed in your life. But I got to give you the right report. Got to get in that right spirit in you. We got to create in you a clean heart. And, and how many of you know that every once in a while, you need God to renew a right spirit within you? If you don't know that, you've already got a wrong spirit. If you don't already know that and anticipate the need for that, then the crisis is going to overwhelm you not one time, but every time. But you need the right report. That means I've seen everything that's happened and I still believe God is able 
to do anything. Now, how many of you want the right report? And you can only get it if you get the right spirit, so that's kind of a part of the whole package. You gotta get the right spirit. You gotta get that other spirit that Joshua and Caleb had in order to get the right report. The scripture will give you your right report, and so you're just gotta buy into the word of God. How many of you believe it is the word of God and God is gonna to speak to you today? I believe that God is about to make bare his arms and take on the enemy and bring down the king of Assyria and all of its spirit of control that wants to destroy the, the church and the kingdom of God. But he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can somebody, can somebody believe that report? The church is not gonna be defeated. The church is gonna be victorious and it's gonna continue to increase and grow because God is in the church. God bless you, you may be seated. King Hezekiah was sick unto death. God told Isaiah to prophesy to the king to set his house in order for thou shalt die and not live. And I believe that it's always proper and well for the church to set their house in order. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he wept sorely before God. He wept because he knew that what was spoken was from the Lord and it was going to happen. Isaiah exited the king's chambers, but then Hezekiah began his prayer vigil and he began to weep. And before Isaiah was out of the middle of the court of the palace, the word of the Lord came to him again saying, turn again and tell Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, I've heard thy prayer and I've seen thy tears and behold, I will heal thee. And then Isaiah does a U-turn and he goes back to the king's chambers and he delivers the good news and he said, I'm gonna add unto thy days 15 years. And King Hezekiah immediately gets this puzzled look on his face and he turns away from the wall and he faces Isaiah and he asks the question, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me? Now try to see this whole picture here. Isaiah walks in and says, you're gonna die. King Hezekiah believes it and no questions, no arguing, no attempt to understand why he's going to die. He's just going to die. But then he turns around and says, God changes his mind. He sends the prophet of Isaiah back to the king's chambers to tell him, you're not going to die. You're going to live. The same prophet speaking on behalf of the same God, the same day in the same room to the same man laying in the same bed. God said, I've heard your prayers, seen your tears, and I'm going to heal you. Now watch how King Hezekiah responds to the good news. Hold on a minute. How do I know you're telling me the truth? How do I know God heard my prayer? How do I know that God's going to heal me? I need a sign before I can believe you. King Hezekiah was suffering with the same disease that many modern day believers suffer with. It just sounds too good to be truth syndrome. 
that when God gives his promise and he tells you you can be healed or you can be forgiven or your sins can be washed away or you can start over again or there's a new beginning or there's hope for the future, all of a sudden we get overwhelmed with it's too good to be true syndrome. We've actually come up with our own adage to respond to the original adage. If it sounds too good to be true, Uh, We've already got an answer for it. We've already got a cynical response to it. But the all too common human attitude is it's much easier to believe the negative report than the positive one. It's a lot easier to believe in the negative. And this is a common flaw in all of human history and all mankind. It just seems like even in the life of Zacharias, he was a priest that stood before the Lord and burned incense upon the altar. He was the father-to-be of John the Baptist and the angel appeared unto him and it scared him half out of his mind. Now, if an angel just shows up in a very small space where I know he didn't walk through the door, I might faint too and fall on the floor in fear. I mean, and that would be a pretty good sign all by itself. If God sends an angel to tell you it's going to happen, you should believe it's going to happen. But he didn't. The angel said, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayers heard. Your wife Elizabeth's going to bear a son. You're going to call his name John. You're going to have joy and gladness, and you're going to rejoice at his birth. And he's going to be great in the sight of God, and he's going to drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Boy, that's a promise. And Zacharias said, you don't mean it. And he said, whereby shall I know this? And then God smote him to where he could not speak until, of course, John was finally born. And then when he spoke the first time, he spoke his name and he called him John. Well, consider Gideon's response whenever God spoke to him in Judges chapter 6 and verse 36. If thou wilt save Israel by my hand as thou hast said. Behold, I'm going to put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that that will save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. I'll know that what you have said is going to come to pass. And then he put the fleece before him, and God accomplished it, and it was done. But then he said, don't be mad at me. Let me just speak this once. Gideon said, let me speak this just once, but he had already spoken once. That was actually twice. He should have got it right, but he was shook up. I mean, this angel shook him up. You're a mighty man of valor. You're fixing to take down the Midianites. There was over 100,000 of those brothers out there, and there's no way that you can overtake the Midianites by the hand of just the simple weapons that they had and strategy and military effort that they had. But I will speak this once, but oh, but this once. And if you will do this, then I will know that you are going to accomplish what you have said you were going to accomplish. Why is it so difficult for God's people to believe God? That is what concerns me. Why is it so easy for people to believe a negative report? They won't ask for any proof on a negative report. But the apostle Paul encouraged the church at Corinth I want to help you craft the report that's going to reveal the arm of God in your life. And I want you to know what you need to do in order to accomplish the purpose of Jesus Christ. 
For the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. As a matter of fact, one translation says, God has already stamped every one of his promises with a divine yes. And all we need to do is add our yes to his yes. And when you put our yes and his yes together, what seems impossible will come to pass. So here's your first part of the report. I want to know, does anybody say yes to God's yes? If God says he can lift you out of your despair, I want to say yes to God's yes. I don't need to know whether or not God's already put his stamp of approval on that promise. Listen, I don't have any question that if I can get you in a baptismal tank and baptize you in the wonderful name of Jesus here today, that every sin you've ever committed will be completely washed away and that your name will be cleared and God will have settled the account and he will put it, he settled that long ago when he died on an old rugged cross and he rose again on the third day. That same Jesus has backed up that promise for every century and generation of every church. If I can get you in that baptism, if I can get you to this altar and repent of your sins, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because my Jesus has already put his yes on that promise. There's no reason for me to question it any further. All I need to do is say yes to what God has said yes to. And my yes I can't hear your yes. I can't hear your yes. But Brother Kinsey, I'm hurting. You might be hurting, but I know this. I serve a God who is able, even when you're hurting, he is able to heal. He's able to heal this young man right here in the name of Jesus. I want you to just lift your hands out toward him and believe God for it because God is able to do it. Listen, church, God's able to accomplish anything that we believe him for. But you've got to say yes to it. You've got to say yes. Now, God made a promise to Abraham in Hebrews chapter 6 because he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. And when this promise was fulfilled, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 And you got to go to the book of Romans to understand why Abraham's seemingly impossible promise came to pass. In Romans 4 and 19, it says, In being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. And when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but strong in faith. But then, all of a sudden, he says, Giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform it. Now notice this. He gave glory to God. Here's another thing you need to put in your report. I don't care what God has promised, what you are waiting on, and what has happened or hasn't happened. I don't care how down your spirit is in despair and despondency because God has not blessed you just yet with what he has promised. I want you today to give glory to God. 
Church, we've just come through one of the most difficult crises in the history of the church. But we've come through and we've made it to the other side. Well, God could have done this. Yes, he could have done that. But I still believe that his promises are yea and amen. And in the midst of what he has not yet done, I will give glory unto him for he is my God. I wish that everybody in this building would lay their pride down. I'm telling you, God can in one moment bring us to nothing. But yet, in all of that, I have been blessed and the Lord has been good and he has not failed me and I will give glory unto God. say yes to God's yes. That's my report. And I've come to tell you God's going to be glorified through all of this. I don't know how, but I do know he is. God's going to be glorified through all of this. He is going to be glorified. He is going to be magnified and being fully persuaded that what he has promised, he is also able to perform it. But Hebrews 11 11 will also give you another part of your report that we need to add. First of all, I want everybody to say yes. yes. And then I want you to say hallelujah as your glory to God. Hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, Hebrews 11, 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because, and this is a strange word, she judged him faithful who had promised. Now that's one thing to put God on trial. She put God on trial. Now she didn't put God on trial to incriminate him. She put God on trial so she could let the devil know. I have weighed him in the balance. For the Lord told Israel, he said, try me and see that if you will do what my word says and pay your tithes and give in the offerings, I will open up the windows of heaven. Prove me now herewith. Judge me. I've put God on the balances and I have weighed it. He said this, this happened, but I'm waiting for this to happen. But I have judged him to be faithful. And that, oh, hallelujah, somebody needs to say he's faithful. Brother Mike Carter, seeing you sitting there, he's faithful. Brother Ralph, with all your babies and grandbabies, uh, he's faithful. Every one of you, he's faithful. Scott Stephen, God brought you through, he's faithful. I judge him to be faithful. 
choir. He's never failed me, not one single time. He's always been there. I have judged him to be faithful. Now here, has God promised something to you? And if he has, I want you to lift your hand. He's promised something to you. Now, let me ask you this. Who have you been listening to? And do you have a good report to bring to the house? What's your report? You say, I know we sing that song. Uh, we shall, you know, whose report will you believe? We shall, what? Report on the Lord. Well, that's not entirely biblically accurate. The conclusion you come to in the song is, but it's our report that needs to be developed. It's not, God's already said what he's going to say and it's forever settled in heaven. He don't need to say nothing else. He done put his yes on all up on this. Has God already put his yes all up on the word? Yes, he has. I don't, I know what God's report is. He already wrote it down. I want to know what is your report? better get a better report than what you got because what's coming out your mouth has got God's sleeve rolled down but if somebody can roll up the sleeve of God to where he's unleashed in this house now I want to go down the list real quickly here because how many of you are praying and believe God's promised you the salvation of a loved one how many of you have prayed and believed God for a miraculous deliverance in your life, in health. Your health needs a touch from God. How many of you need personal victory in your life because you're struggling with depression, oppression, fear, anxiety, personal issues within your own mind? God wants to give you victory in this house. How many of you need a financial blessing? Right now, you need a financial blessing. Don't be scared. Some of you are so scared like God's going to bless me if I lift my hand. I won't even, I'll have to pay my tithes if God blesses me. That's exactly right. You shouldn't be doing that all along. Because I paid them. I paid them when I didn't have the money to pay them. But I kept paying them and I stayed faithful. And I found out that what God said in Malachi, he wasn't playing. He said, I'll stand up and rebuke the devourer on your behalf. He said, there won't be a king of Assyria that'll get within a mile of you. The, the financial blessing wasn't a part of the message. I'm just throwing that in there. But I promise you, God's promised some of you financial blessings and God wants to give it to you. If you're carrying a promise in your spirit that God made to you years ago, I want you to lift your hands. And it hasn't come to pass yet, but God promised it to you. I want you to lift your hand. Maybe God spoke it to you through his word, through your pastor, through the preaching, through a prophet. Don't make any difference who it was. If it was from the Lord, 
What do you need to do? I'll tell you, Hebrews 10, 23 tells you what you need to do. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? For he is faithful that promised. So you say, well, what does that mean? That means hold on to it. That's what it means. It means exactly what it says. Hold on to it. But not only hold on to it, don't change what you say about it when you don't have it yet. See, it's quieter. Because some of you have changed what you said about it when you was in the crisis because it didn't look like God was going to fulfill what he has promised. But he is faithful. <laughs> and I know you got 30 people around you that'll tell you it's never going to happen and you're not worthy and you're not this and you're not that and you're not qualified and I get all of that. But I'm pointing you right back to the word of God and I'm telling you that Jesus qualified you through the shed blood at Calvary's cross and don't you dare let anybody talk you out of that qualification. Titus 1-2 tells us that God cannot lie. I said God cannot lie. I want to say that again. That's what I pray. I pray my report. I tell the devil God cannot lie. God has already said yes to his promises. I say yes to God's promise. I have judged him to be faithful. And beside all that, if God doesn't even do it in my lifetime, I'm still going to give glory to God till I take my last breath, devil. And that's my report, and I'm not changing it. So here's what the Holy Ghost sent me to tell you. Be patient in believing for your breakthrough. The Lord has spoken to you and said, I promise to drive out your enemy and those who oppress you little by little. I have promised to drive out the depression and the anxiety and the fear and the causes for which you are upset and overwhelmed. You will not be able to destroy them all at once because it's too numerous and too difficult for you. But I will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are all destroyed. Be patient in waiting and praying for your breakthrough. Do not become weary in praying for others. Do not become discouraged as you wait for your own total victory. Your enemies will fall. You will experience greater freedom. Follow my word. Grow in your deliverance as you learn to possess the land. And don't become lazy in your spiritual life. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what God has promised them. <laughs> Hebrews 6 and 12 says that ye, ye be not slowful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. 
So this is what I want you to pray right now. God, make me like Joshua and Caleb and Abraham. They had the right spirit going into the crisis. They held on to the promise even when there were giants in the land. And they waited patiently for what you had promised. Strengthen me, O God, according to your glorious might, so that I may with great endurance and patience be filled with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that I may live a life worthy of you and may please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good word and growing in your knowledge day by day. God's going to fulfill his promise in your life. Hold on to it right now. And believe that God's able to do it. He's going to fulfill his promise right now in your life. Some of you walked in here, didn't think there was any possibility. This week, you're going to get a call and God's going to fulfill the promise. This week. Some of you are going to walk out of here and you're not going to be troubled another moment in your life because God's going to completely deliver you right now in this service today. I declare it in Jesus' name. Today. Some of you, it might take a little longer. But I would, I would pray for everyone in this house to receive their promise. And if they get it today, the best thing you can do is glorify God. Because I promise you when I've gotten an attitude toward God because he gave it to somebody quicker than he did me, he just said you delayed it another year. He said, you don't ever do that again, and I've never done it again, I guarantee you, because he delayed it two years before he answered, all because I just copped an attitude with God and said, why did you do that? I didn't get mad at him. I just asked him why, and just asking him why, he says, I've just delayed it because you don't ask me why. If I bless somebody... That's the reason why I told you about the check in the mail in Lake Charles when I prophesied God was going to give them a financial blessing and they were going to be able to do this and that and the other. And then in, in 10 days, God gave them a $1.5 million check, paid everything off, built this, built that. I don't know what all they did, but God blessed them. Ha! Hallelujah. And I came back home and I told you, I said, I did not get, I did not ask God why. I said, praise the Lord, God used me. That's a miracle in itself. Hallelujah, God actually did it. I'm glad. And I told you, if I never, and y'all sent me them little $5 checks in the mail, thank you very much. But I'm gonna tell you, that's not what I, I made sure. When God used me to bless somebody else, I'm gonna rejoice in it, whether I get my check in the mail or not. Why? Because it's important you keep a good report. Church, I don't know about you, but we're having revival all over the world. And I think it's time for us to have a good report. 
It's time for you to craft a good report now. Now. I'm going to tell you, anybody can get the Holy Ghost. Anybody can come back to God. Anybody can be saved today. Hallelujah. Shall we stand? Now, if you want that promise and you're holding on to it, I want you to step out by faith and claim that, that promise right now. And you're not just stepping out on behalf of yourself and the promise God has given you. You're stepping out on behalf of everybody here that God has promised. God has promised. God has promised. There is no one here that is exempt from that promise. If I can get you to say yes, so this is what I've learned to do. These are the things that I've learned to do in my life. And I'm just sharing them with you. I've learned to rejoice when God blesses and the promises of others are fulfilled. I've just learned to do that. I've learned to do it genuinely, not just as a Thing you do because you don't want yours to be delayed. <laughs> I've, I've learned to do it genuinely. I mean, spiritually, spontaneously, from my heart. I mean, not even a question. There's not even a question in my mind. When I, when I feel anointing on anybody that's preaching or speaking or testify, I immediately respond. Say, my God, they're anointed. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the best thing. That, I want you to be anointed. I want you to be anointed. I want you to have so much anointing you can't even stand yourself. Why? Why? Because I've watched a spirit of jealousy destroy Pentecostal churches, whole churches. I'm not just talking about people. I'm talking about obliterate churches. I used to preach for. I used to have revival in. When they didn't care about the blessing of the Lord upon people. But then when they begin to pick and choose who God blesses. I've watched them obliterate themselves off the planet. I said, my goodness, don't let that happen. I want the Holy Ghost to fall in this place right now and deliver us so that we will release God to bless whomsoever He will. Yes, he's going to judge those as well that sin and do evil in his sight. No doubt about it, God's going to do that. But I want to see his hand work in the lives of people who are hungry for God, who desire and bless the kingdom with their love and their peace.
I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to believe God for healing for every individual that's standing here for healing. I want you to believe God for victory for everyone that's standing in this altar for victory. Oh, I want to see you transformed by the word of the Lord where you develop the right report now. God, give me a good report. And let me not change it when I'm in the crisis. Give me a good, and I know you got to renew your spirit. Give me that other spirit that Caleb had. That Joshua had. When they viewed the promised land and they saw the giants and the walled cities, they did not perceive that they were not able to take the land. Whatever the challenge is, we can face it. Whatever the crises, we can overcome it. Whatever the giants, we can overthrow them. The Lord is with us. The Lord is on our side. Let the promise of God be fulfilled in your life. I want to see it. I will rejoice with you as God fulfills his promise in you. I will rejoice with you because I've got promises I'm holding on to. And I'm giving glory to God in the midst. I'm saying yes to God's promises. Oh, and I have judged him to be faithful. I've weighed him in the balance. Don't you know he loves you? Don't you know he cares for you? Come on, I want to hear a cry go up. I want the Spirit of the Lord to flow through this place. I want the power of God to minister to every individual in this house. No matter where you're at, God is able to redeem you and reclaim you. And God wants to help you. He will forgive you. He will redeem you. He will bring you out. There won't be one thing left of your past that my God won't obliterate by the power of the blood and the authority of the name. He will obliterate it from your life. He will bring about deliverance right now in the name of Jesus by faith in his word, by faith in his name. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard.
is my God, that is who you are. You're the waymaker, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.